live. We're live. Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, come hang out with us one Sunday morning. We're just a laid-back, simple Bible-teaching church. Our Sunday service is at 1030. If you're not local but looking for a church to maybe attend online, you can uh, watch our live stream. It's available on Facebook.com slash Calvary 316. Or you can go to our YouTube channel. Uh, easiest way to find it is just go to calvary316.live. And so, again, our Sunday service is at 1030, Bible Teaching Church. We're going through the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, our series is titled King Jesus, so I encourage you to join us. I am joined in studio, as always, by the man that needs no introduction, the maestro of this dysfunction, uh, Scrooge McDuck. Maka. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Creighton Vaughn. How you doing, Creighton? I'm doing well. How are you? You got to explain yeah. to the audience kind of like why why you're rocking a, a Vikings hoodie. You know, of, of, all, of um, all the teams to be rocking sports. Yes. It's so, a good looking hoodie. Don't get me is. wrong. It is. It's a very nice hoodie. My it's friend Kyle got it for me. It. Yeah. For, Did you get your 23 uh, me results back Not yet. yet. I'll get it at the you end of the month. You haven't been introduced yet. yet. Be quiet. Seriously, my goodness. This is just off the rails. Yes. So anyway. Yes. Um, I have gone like 25, 26 years of my life with being completely ambivalent towards football. Um, and then after watching you for the hundredth time, start a conversation at top dog with some random person about football, I went to my friend Kyle and I was like, I need you to teach me how to enjoy football because I don't get it. And I want to be able to talk to strangers. That hasn't happened. Cause it's yet. very easy to do when you, when you know a little right. bit about football, it's a great icebreaker. Easy to exactly. sports can be a great lead in. You know, you're looking, you're, you know, you're wanting to minister to somebody, wanting to make a conversation. Sports, easy. Yes, Don't go politics. Don't go politics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not is, a good intro. Sports is really easy because often people wear it literally on their sleeve. So you know, you and know you what can they're go right for. in. So I went to my friend Kyle and I was like, I need you to teach me like football. I want to be able to do this thing that I see Zach do all the time. I'm still working on the actual talking part of it. <laughs> but you got a hoodie. But I understand football now and his... Um, Kyle, I say my friend Kyle, like you guys, the other guy that's on the show sometimes, um, his... Their family, the their entire whole family is family. Vikings. Yes. And his caveat was, yeah, I'll teach you to like football, but you have to be a Vikings fan. Like if I teach you to like football and you're a Falcons fan, we all have a problem with it. It's okay. The and entire city like of Atlanta football, excuses you. Right. And if you... are that bad. He also told me that if I started to like the Packers, he would disown me as a friend and his dad would kick me out. Which so far uh, looks like it would have been true. And now I understand <laughs> because, you know, screw the Packers. Yeah, there you go. To all the <laughs> Packers fans out there. We are joined, uh, already dropping voices without introduction. I know. We're joined in studio by uh, three of our buddies tonight. Often it's four. We've got Mr. Nicholas Monty. Old school 316 shirt, I yeah, like. Yeah, so uh, when this came up, when you were going to introduce me, I was going to make a comment and be like, all right, we need a vote. You guys like are the opposites. Look at this that. logo or that logo. You got the three six D Deal Daddy Derek's got the the newer the yeah. inverted, inverted logo. Easier to read, I would I'd say. Just looking at the both of them, I didn't have a preference to either, but now I'm like, no, this is way more less invasive. Well, I'll tell you the yeah, origins of the design is when when the logo's big. For example, at our, at the church, the main graphic mm -hmm. uh, behind the, the the podium or the one at the street. We use the big logo, Nick's logo, mm -hmm. uh, because it's it. You can you can read it when it's big, mm -hmm. fills a lot of space. Uh, but when you shrink it down, you can't read that logo. Yeah, it makes sense. Which is why I inverted it to that logo. Now it's 
And I Boy. like that logo on a shirt more than I like the other one because it doesn't have as much ink. I yeah. like this one. You <laughs> like that cheaper one. to make. That's cheaper, cheaper to make. To make. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, come on, guys. We're, we're, we're working it. We're also joined by someone not rocking 316 merch. Craig, uh, you, you got the hat. We, I got the, the polo. Oh, yeah. We are all on brand. Other than it's not necessarily my fault. We're all on. Well, this was all organic. Nobody was planning this. This is just well, all the clothes I'm we have. I'm just saying, most it, oftentimes, the, the tall, fat guys are, are, are that's forgotten. That's true. I, that well, is they bad. They cost yeah. a lot more money to They do, but, you know, it's just a, a burden I'm going to have to bear for the rest of my life, I assume. That um, is true. So I'll never I, be small. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did apologize to you the other yeah, day. That, but it, it's just something you learn to live with. Just yeah. always order the one. We could get you. We could get you like your a specialty three sixteen flip flop. What about? Oh yeah, that would be nice. Ooh. What about a cape? That's what I was about to say. <laughs> Shoes? No, no, no capes. Cape. Hey, if it's a over cape. Si- no capes. If, no if it's capes. over sixty degrees, flip flops are going on. And today was today was. we had I some know. wacky weather happening. What a shame. Yeah. Well, so the way that the show works, if you're new, uh, is that uh, I have no idea uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, nor do these three gentlemen have any clue. The only person that knows the topic of tonight's episode is Creighton Vaughn. As the producer, his job is to introduce a topic, a Bible verse, Bible story. <clears throat> it's my job to then turn that, whatever it is, into some semblance uh, of a Bible study. And these guys are here not only as kind of an audience to uh, to listen in, but also to, to, to join in the conversation, to add feedback. Uh, this is a podcast, so the audio of tonight's episode is podcasted uh, every Thursday. Uh, we do apologize. We had a glitch this past week, so it took us a few extra days uh, to get the podcast out. Uh, but it is podcasted, uh, the audio, um, the day after uh, we record. Um, it's on Apple, Google, Spotify. Um, but we live stream the recording of the podcast. And so if you're watching, uh, this is what you're watching. We're recording a podcast, but you get to, to, to watch you get to join, and that's what's cool about the show is not only are we going to interact with the topic, but you, if you're watching, uh, are, are free to join in the conversation. You can do that, Creighton. Why don't you tell the audience uh, how they can join the conversation? You can join the conversation by leaving me comments in the uh, comment section on both Facebook and YouTube. Um, I'm watching those in the live video, and I'm trying to get better at going back and watching and looking at the ones that happened during the week, during our later you know, rewatches. Um, we do have one. Uh, from our favorite Jennifer. Nice. She says, good evening. Merry Christmas, good Jennifer. Evening. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. She also says that she uh, has worn her 316 shirts and somehow food stains have jumped on them, which is a shame. You'll have to come back this Christmas and get some more. Yes. Jennifer, come on Sunday. Whatever you want at the uh, information center, just snag one free of charge. So. You know, Absolutely. We, we take care of our own here at the Outlaw Radio. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, out of our dozens of followers, if you're uh, one of the... Yes, <laughs> the dozens and dozens of listeners we have, we take care of them. Uh, I, I do want to start off... i got off. one more comment. Okay, no, one more comment. From uh, Miss David. She says hello. Ah, and that's Ms. always David. one to, to shout out. Hey, Miss Yes, yes. Miss David is my fellow uh, trachee, um, <laughs> which be, I love. That can't be. Yeah. No, that's yeah. a thing. No. And you and I, fellow... Trachees and Travelers. Um, that could be the name of our joint book, Trachees and Travels. Um, oh, my goodness. Travels and Trachees. You know. Travels and Trachees. It could be all kinds of things. I do find, yeah, just uh, again, Ann, you might be able to. But, you know, I dry off, so I, I've gotten where I can dry off, getting out of the shower and whatnot. But I always end up with, like, you know, w- you know, so with your belly button, you always get, like, a little residual water mm-hmm. in your belly button what? that you have to, like, intentionally clean out. 
I get that with this trach scar. It's so obnoxious. <laughs> Where I get out, I get all dry, and then I look in the mirror, and it's like, oh, I got, I forgot about the trach. You forget about it, just runs down the <laughs> center of your chest. Down. Put on a shirt, and I got a, a watermark, you know? <laughs> anyway, oh, so, so I want to say this before. This is not a rant, but I, there is something I want to get out of the way right at the beginning. But one of the challenges, and I say challenges in, in a loose sense, it's, it's, it's a fun aspect of the show, but it's still a reality, is that when... When the show is not scripted, and I don't have any notes in front of me. Again, I don't even know what we're talking about tonight. Creighton's going to introduce that. Uh, but like with every episode, I have no idea what we're talking about. And so it's my job to kind of, uh, in some ways, fly by the seat of my pants. And it's a bit of a free flow of consciousness um, in regards to presenting the topic, kind of unpacking it, etc. Uh, that doesn't always, um, I feel like I do a good job, but that doesn't always mean that I say exactly what I want to say the way I want to say it. So sometimes I'm working on a thought, I'm working on an idea, and I'm working on figuring out the right way to say it as I'm moving forward with it. Um, last week is a great example of sometimes I, uh, I don't end up saying things as well as I wanted to say them. And so I just want to give a little clarity, um, just right here at the beginning, Creighton, before we get into the topic itself. Um, we, we were talking last week, the episode... Um, uh, Derek brought in a topic about uh, hallucinogenics and just the connection of, of hallucinogenics to uh, the physical realm, but also as a gateway into the spiritual realm. And, you know, should we, you know, how should we approach these? I'm kind of summarizing last yeah, week's Yeah, no, episode. for sure. But that's basically what it was. How should, okay, if it is that thing, how should we as Christians approach that? And we, we, we spent the whole time, we talked about it, I thought like it was a great episode, we enjoyed it, but there was a point in the episode where I brought up SSRs, Creighton, remember, remember SSRIs. That? SSRIs, and, and, and in the process of kind of talking about that, which really wasn't the topic we were discussing, it wasn't the context, the context was hallucinogenics, I made, I made, I made a comment where I said, you know, we, we really shouldn't mess with the brain's chemistry. And I said that in the context, the greater context of, of us talking about hallucinogenics and whatnot. I do understand that that could have been, especially with the connection of SSRIs, maybe misconstrued. Um, and again, it, it's my, my fault of not being as articulate as I, as I should have been. Could have been misconstrued as, as somehow a slight against anyone that's taking antidepressant medicine mm -hmm. or, 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 or oh, I didn't think about or that. just taking or just, you know, taking anything, you know, you, you just again, the brain is a very complicated muscle. Um, there are are actual physiological things that take place and we need medicines for just like medicines help us with all different kinds of things. It can help us also with brain chemistry and whatnot. And, and I just feel as though that the way I articulated it might have. Uh, communicated something that I don't feel. I, I don't feel dog because then I said we shouldn't take anything to mess with the brain's chemistry. And I was saying that in the context of LSD and acid, not in the context of like, hey, I'm 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 dealing with depression or I'm dealing with anxiety. I'm dealing with certain things, and I've gone to a doctor and I've been prescribed this and it's helping me out a lot. And then and then out here I come along and make a comment and and somehow belittle or somehow spiritualize it. I am not one of those people. Um, you know, I, I think you, know, you should listen to your doctors, well, you know, whether it's about COVID, whether it's about mental, mental issues, whether it's about like they're trained, they're professionals. I think we should challenge things. We should research things on our own, but at the same time, the way that I articulated it maybe came across, uh, in, in the way 
that I didn't intend. And so right from the beginning, hey, it, this is, I didn't know what the topic was. It wasn't like I was reading off the notes. I typed it. I'm kind of working out thoughts. And sometimes um, I, I'm not as articulate or as, as thoroughly thought out and precise as I want to be. And when those things arise, I get no problems just in the next episode, just adding a little caveat of like, hey, you know, if you're, if you're taking Zoloft, you're taking... Uh, you know, I, I, again, I'm not even really familiar with all the different medications that exist, but Hey, that's, that's, that's okay. Like if your doctor thinks that's a good thing and it's helping you out like that, don't spiritualize it. That's not, that was mm -hmm. not the intention. So that, that kind of makes sense. I know you didn't even think about it, Craig, yeah, and I didn't sure. even think about it. Mm -hmm. uh, it was kind of brought to my attention that it might've been seen that way. And so I just wanted to just right off the jump, you know, clarify. Yeah. I think that was a good idea. Cause I didn't. Never occurred to me that someone would take it that way. Thinking back to it, I can see how it could be. Oh, for how sure. It could be, you know, either misconstrued or misunderstood, or like it oh, could be. Oh, for sure. I can see why someone would get there, but I didn't. That was not, and again, I, I think that's a good clear. Like that was the intention was not that. I understand that it, it probably obviously it came across that way to a few people. Yeah. And and I just want to back off and say, hey, sorry. Like that's not that was not the intention. It was not the heart. That wasn't even not the context. And that was just again. I think the format of the show. It's fun. But it does it does lend itself to, from time to time of like having to add a bit of a caveat, yeah. Um, in the next episode, like, the, hey, this might have come across in a way that wasn't intended. The question wasn't meant to supersede what your doctor has told you from a medical standpoint. It was more from a we're uh, talking about recreational it, drug. It, yeah, use. exactly. Strictly theoretical. What is this like type of way? Yeah. So, and I did bring it. I just again free flow of consciousness. I you know I had just read this article about SSRIs and. Yeah. I dropped it, and then that got blurred. So, mm -hmm. again, I, I appreciate the grace, love. And, and uh, I appreciate the comment because it gave us more content. So if you have anything else where Zach said something that was <laughs> weird, please we can let do a whole know. episode of Zach said stupid things he has to correct and apologize. <laughs> yes, it would be a great be more episode. Than one yes. Episode. <laughs> I, uh, I was talking to a dear friend about this particular topic, and I said, you know, because of my arms, you know, before before everything happened to me with COVID and and the neural damage and, and just the rehab. And it, it, again, you can go back my story. Um, I really cherish and not just cherish, but respect, protect. Um, I, I want anything that is said behind a pulpit, especially of the church that I I'm stewarding um, to be measured, to be thought out, to be articulated. Um, if, if you get offended I want it to be like that wasn't an accident. He intended to offend me. You know, I don't want it to be like, oh, Zach said something stupid. It's like, no, he said something st like stupid that I'm offended by, but he did it on purpose, not on accident, which is why I've always scripted Bible studies. I've always typed out my Bible studies, and I've always delivered them from the manuscript, which is why C316.tv, our, our media hub, um, if you go back into, into years past, it's, you get the whole Bible study, the whole script. You can follow along. So if I say something to offend that offends you, you you know it can't be like a slip of the tongue. <laughs> no, I that way it. you can get offended by what you hear and what you read. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, so but I was talking to a friend and it was like you know I'm just so thankful that with, without the ability to type notes and uh, you and I were talking about this actually as well, Creighton, yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just so thankful and I've tried to be very mindful of again when you when you don't have notes and you're just developing a thought in real time. Um, it, it's, it, it can be very easy, um, to say something you didn't mean to say, or to say it in a way that comes across in a way that you didn't intend. It's kind of the nature of the beast. And so, Hey, I said something last week that, that wasn't as articulate as I wanted it to be. And, 
And I'm just glad that that hasn't necessarily happened from the pulpit. I'm sure it will. And I think when it does, it's just, you know, you get up and say, hey, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't mean it the way that it came across. And hopefully there's an abundance of grace to that. So, again, God can speak through jackasses. And, and this show in the pulpit at Calvary 316 is no exception. So, Agreed. Amen. We get an amen on that, right? Amen. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, Creighton, uh, without further ado, what's the topic tonight? What are we talking about? Well, we're going to have a Christmas-themed episode Whoa! because I was... Uh, christmas I know, I know. I was asked to do Christmas. and All right, fine. So, Christmas-themed. Um, we're going very slightly Christmas. Um, because is I there a passage I should be turning do to? Do you is there, believe is there, in snow? Do that's you a, believe in snow? <laughs> that's a good question, and it kind of depends on how you want to take it. Okay. Because it'll either be Matthew 2... Or somewhere in Daniel. Okay. And I'm not sure where. So this is what I want to talk about. And this is one of those things where I grew up in the church. I've been like in the Bible since I could read. And so there are things in my head that I am relatively certain of, but can't point to enough biblical like uh, uh, evidence, biblical structure to say for certain that it's true. But this is a thing that I've grown up believing or have known for a while. And that is that the wise men are at the very least um, philosophical descendants of the prophet Daniel. Um, And if not, where did they come from? Because in Matthew two, which I can read if you want me to. No, we can, we can can get there. But they they are, when they show up. Actually go ahead and read the passage. If you've got the passage in front of you. Yeah, I've got the passage in front of you. Yeah, go ahead and read it. So um, it's Matthew 2, 1. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who, was, who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Um, and then it goes on for their whole story. But what's interesting to me is that they don't have, like there's no question about whether or not a king has been born. They show up and they're like, yo, like it, this is going down. Where's your boy? Where's the, hey, where's your guy? <laughs> like, hey, hey, you're the king of this place. You got a new one. What's going on? Where's he at? What's up? Um, and it's interesting to me because they don't, it's not like, hey, we were wondering if you guys had a new king because we're pretty sure he's supposed to. Like, they seem very certain, which is interesting to me mm-hmm. because they came from somewhere in the east, um, whereas like nobody in Jerusalem or Israel as a whole is looking for Jesus. But it, these guys were. You know the thing if I, it, so your question in its in its in its essence is who the heck are the wise men? Yeah, like who are these guys? Like where where do they come from? Like where's the origins, the background of the wise men? I'll tell you, I'll add a little bit a little bit more to to kind of sweeten the pot of its bizarrety. You know, Matthew being the first gospel, he's he's presenting Jesus as the king of the Jews. Um, you get chapter one, because what you read was the first few verses of chapter two. Yes. But in chapter one, you get, uh, what is it, 17 verses, um, one through 17, uh, of just genealogy, um, just a list of names, which makes sense. You know, Matthew's presenting Jesus as the king of the Jews. So it would, it would be within reason that, you know, in order to be a king, you would have to establish... Royal blood. Royal blood, genealogy. And so a genealogy taking Jesus, connecting him back um, to uh, King David is appropriate. I mean, that's relevant. If he can't show, you know, a kingly heritage, that connection, that link 
then what's the point? Um, but then you get, and I'm going to read a little bit more of a section. I think I'll make my point in a, in a second, but you get to verse 18 of Matthew 1. We're told now, this is Matthew writing, uh, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. And Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, that Jesus would understand the fulfillment of the, the divinic covenant, you know, this prophetic line. Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, was as follows. So here's his birth. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But <clears throat> while he thought about these things, behold, the angel, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus." for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, Matthew adds, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet uh, of the Lord, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And that's a quote from Isaiah 7. Then Joseph, verse 24, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and Joseph called his name Jesus. Again, as the angel instructed. Cool. Christmas story. Uh, we get a lot more information, a lot more details about not just this, what happens, um, the backstory to it all provided for us by Luke. Uh, Mark makes no mention of Jesus' birth. Um, John has one very vague reference. Um, the word became flesh and dwelt among us in chapter one. That, that's the Christmas story from the perspective of, of John. Uh, you know, Christmas is an interesting thing because, you know, while it's it's a it's a significant, I would say, one of the two major Christian holidays, um, it's not sanctioned in Scripture whatsoever. Like the celebration of the birth of Jesus uh, was not a sanctioned holiday. Um, it wasn't celebrated by the early church. Um, it wasn't recognized in, in early Christianity. It wasn't mandated by the Apostle Paul. It wasn't uh, you know, we, we don't find a reference of it in the book of Acts. Like the idea of Christians gathering together, uh, exchanging gifts to one another in, in celebration of the birth of Jesus is not something that develops way, way, way later. Um, and there's a whole lot of traditions, but it's not, it doesn't have a biblical basis. Um, Chris, Christmas is not mandated in Scripture. Um, it's not articulated to be recognized in Scripture. Um you would say, okay, well, the second, the, you know, probably the greatest Christian holiday, Easter. You know, the biggest problem I have with Easter um, is that we celebrate it once a year. Again, that's not also mandated in Scripture. Mm -hmm. um, yes, Easter, unlike, so Christmas, newsflash, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. That comes from Julius I. There's a whole backstory of its relation, paganism, etc. It was an arbitrary thing. We have zero evidence that Jesus was born on December 25th or anything close to it. Um, in fact, it's probably more early spring um, because of its relationship with all different kinds of, of, of angles, different things. The, the Passover lambs, which is why the shepherds were in the fields keeping watch over their flocks. The only reason they would have flocks would be its relation potentially to Passover. That's why we get even even some, some people place it in June. Regardless, Easter, its connection to Passover, we place Easter, the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus, more appropriately, more accurately, except for the, that also wasn't celebrated by early Christianity. Um, we do celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It's called Sunday. 
Like that's why this group of Jews pivoted from their religious day being Saturday to being Sunday because every Sunday they gathered in the morning to recognize the resurrection of Jesus. The only thing that we have mandated, you know, seems to be the gathering of the saints in recognition of, uh, of the resurrection of Jesus on Sunday morning. Uh, Christmas, you know, Matthew, this is the only mention he has. Luke gives us more details. Mark doesn't mention it. John, very, very little. But what's funny about Matthew, and again, within the flow of the Bible itself, you know, you get through the whole Old Testament, you get to the New New Testament, you get a list of names. Okay, Jesus has this link to David. He's the fulfillment of this prophecy in Isaiah. The virgin conceives. And then you turn the page. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men come from the east of Jerusalem. So to your point, Creighton, it's not even just like this, like, like even the flow of scripture itself, you've got this just bizarrity. That, they just show up. Like, the, okay, <laughs> who in who incarnations are the wise men? Why are they significant? Where do they come from? Why do they know? Why are they looking? What in the world? It is, it is again, I think we, you know, we're so familiar with the Christmas story, so familiar with these passages of scripture, that it's easy to just kind of take the, the 10,000 foot perspective to take a step back. And like, if you're reading this for the very first time, right? You know, you have just gotten through Malachi, you know, and then you get to this and it's like, huh? And then if you're starting to connect the dots, you, you realize that the wise men, this is not actually associated with the birth of Jesus at all. Like they come looking for a newborn king, but like, our nativity, let me put it this way, our nativity scenes get it totally wrong. Um, you know, the, the idea that they're at the manger, and, and again, we, we've westernized the idea of the manger, of, you know, of being this, you know, this picturesque Thomas Kincaid-like hillside with this lean-to wooden structure, you know, that has hanging Christmas lights inside of it, Um <laughs> You know, and then you have the wise men are there with the shepherds. And, you know, we have the nativity scene. First, it's it's not a stable like we think of. It's a cave. Uh, easiest place to keep livestock. It's not pristine. It's pretty gross. Um, and, and then the shepherds are there for the first night. Um, in fact, we're told, if, if you really look at this passage that, that you're referring to in Matthew 2, um, we're told that it wasn't a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. That's what the, the shepherds find that first night. It said the child, they find a child. They present to the child gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. A little child in the original language. Uh, and not only that, but they don't come to the stable. <laughs> they come to the house that he was at. A totally different scene, different setting. A lot of scholars believe that about 18 months to potentially two years have transpired from what we think of as Christmas. When growing up, when we were doing, so my mom had this, uh this white porcelain nativity set. And so our, our family routine on Christmas morning, we weren't allowed to open any gifts, which was brutal, painstaking. <laughs> there was a process to the morning with the Adams family. You know, we got up. Nobody did anything until mom and dad were up. And no one did anything. We just stared at the gifts, you know. <laughs> we stared at them. It was torture. Until mom made breakfast. So we had to eat breakfast. And then, uh, and then we had to sit down on the couches. Again, the presence there, beckoning, their call, the longing. 
And we had to listen to dad read the entire Christmas story. It was always this frustrating when he decided to include the song of Mary. It's like, this is not even part of the story. You know, come on, dad, just get to the nitty gritty. It was worse. If we were really misbehaving, he'd go back. Well, let's talk about John, the forerunner. It's like, (laughs) we're three chapters into Luke. What's happening? But we started to have fun. So mom had this porcelain set of figurines, the nativity scene. And so as dad was reading the story, uh, it was typically the the youngins, the littler ones, uh, Nick and Mac, that would act out, you know, the nativity, the story with these figurines as dad's reading the story. So, you know, there's, you know, they travel, you know, from, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And so they make their way. And so, you know, they go from the kitchen on over to the living room, you know, and uh, Mary and Joseph and, um, and so Mary was hollow. And so Mac would stick Mary up into <laughs> Jesus up into Mary, Jesus up into Mary. Nice. Um, you know, just because you got to be accurate here. You know, Jesus wasn't with them on the journey. And so, you know, we would get there and, and they would show up at the end. There's no room. And so they'd have to go out to the stable. So they get to the stable. And then when dad's reading about Jesus being born, you know, they shake Mary out comes Jesus. <laughs> You know, they put Jesus in, in the manger. And, and then we get to the story of, of the shepherds, you know, abiding in the field, the angel. And so they would play with them and they'd bring them over. Now, the whole time this is happening, because we're a very accurate family, uh, biblically. Yeah, um, the wise men were in like the front living room. <laughs> you know, in, in the in, east. In, yeah, the, in, in the east. The east part of the house. They were a <laughs> long way away uh, from the actual scene. And so, you know, we, you know, it was Jesus was now running around as a toddler. Show until three years later. When the wise men finally showed, the shepherds are long gone, you know, so we, we had an, an accurate, you know, examination of of the Christmas story, but the the wise men show up much later, which is really interesting. And then, then, you know, you read through this and there's other things that jump out at you, like that are odd. So first the, the, the existence of the wise men. Um, we don't know their ethnicity. We know where they come from, but we don't know specifically. Um, we also know that that somehow, and this is kind of the part that, that gets really weird. Somehow, these wise men, it was a star that they saw. And somehow that star told them, indicated to them, that a king had been born of the Jews. So a star appears, they're like, boom, this is happening. And then they make their journey, but they're way late. They're two years late after the fact. So it it seems to be that when Jesus was born, the star appears, but they're so far away. And and again, transportation takes forever. It was like star appears. Jesus is being born. Now they're making their way, which explains like, Hey, they're looking for the King of the Jews. That's why they don't go to a stable. They don't go to Jesus's actual house. You know, they're basically getting over, you know, and, and, and you know, Okay, Bethlehem. People forget and don't realize Bethlehem is a suburb of Jerusalem. Like it's, Justin, you can speak to this. You, you live there. I don't even know if I'd call it a suburb. I'd say more like a neighborhood. It's like a neighborhood. But like <laughs> people don't realize that like it's Bethlehem. Again, the shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over the flocks. Their flocks are the temple sacrifices. You know, th- th- those are the, the livestock that their their proximity to Jerusalem is, again, it is a suburb, a neighborhood. It's close. And it's so like five, six miles or even less than oh, that. Less, the outskirts. Of yeah. It. From, from <clears throat> the temple Mount. So, I mean, 
Uh, it's 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 incredible, and when you go to Israel, you get a better idea of it. You know just how close everything is. I had no idea. That's wild. Because <clears throat> you're in Jerusalem, you'll be at your hotel, and you look across the valley, and that's Bethlehem. And you're like, and now now by the way, Bethlehem is technically West Bank, right? Yes. So it's you can't go there, or you have to go with a Palestinian guide, well, and sometimes that gets uh, iffy. During Christmas time, you can they actually do a thing where you walk. From Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Have you done that walk? No, because I'm fat and I don't. Want oh God! <laughs> <laughs> no, I never. I never did that walk. Um, but I had friends that did it. That is, um, that's cool. Yeah. I, I, I uh... yeah. So about Christmas time, they'll they do a thing every year where you basically big groups of people walk all the way from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. So it's in walking distance. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, like I said, it, when I said five six miles, like it takes maybe an hour to walk there. Wow. Mm. You can see it. I mean, you can see it. Again, Jerusalem is at the high point. You can see Bethlehem from Jerusalem, like visually. Wow. There it is across the hill. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes sense why, okay, they're looking for a newborn king. The star appears where Jesus is, which is Bethlehem, not Jerusalem. Why they would show up in Jerusalem? Again, it's a king, and it's why they go to Herod. Hey, we're looking for the newborn king, assuming it's your child, right? Which then freaks Herod out. There's a whole backstory to that and, and what happens afterwards. But you get the wise man, right? The wise men, you, 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 there's, you get so many questions about them. They come later. And then there's that bigger question of like, what's the deal with the star? How do they know the star? What's the connection to the star and Jesus? On and on and on. So, you know, you kind of introduce the topic of the wise men, just like, hey, you get to the wise men. That's weird. Where do they come from? But then that gets compounded by just the abruptness that they get introduced you know, Matthew doesn't give us any, he doesn't tell us about the journey to Bethlehem. He doesn't, he doesn't tell us, he doesn't tell us anything. Doesn't even give us a country of origin, just the East. Right. And, 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 and then, and then the wise men show up. Now to get to your question, like first we, we don't have definitive answers. Like there's nothing definitive. Like there's not a chapter and verse. It's not like there's a section that Paul's like, Hey, let me tell you about Christmas. <laughs> Or, you know, James or John or Peter's like, oh, let me, here's the chapter on the wise men. Let's give some clarity. Now, there's a lot of things in the Old Testament that you encounter that leave you a little little bit with a head scratcher that then at some point in the New Testament, you're given the clarity on. Like mm-hmm. Enoch, you know, Enoch's kind of this weird character and you're like, what in the world is the deal with Enoch? And then, you, you know, you get later on and you get Jude gives this whole like diatribe about Enoch being a prophet of the end times. Oh, yeah, you get like a drop of clarity on Enoch. I still need a lot more. But you get way, <laughs> you get more clarity from Enoch, though, in the New Testament than you. He's a mystery in the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. But you get more Melchizedek. Melchizedek, you, you encounter, you, you hit, you're like, that's weird, and you move on. And then you get to Hebrews, and, and we have like chapters. It's like mm-hmm. our shooting stars actually falling angels. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate that. That, that, that too. Thank you. You If a third could fall, why could they not fall now? With the bell rings, does an angel really get its wings? You know, the the deep complexities. You want want me to make this even more of a mystery for you? Sure. Sure. So this is during the time of uh, Roman Empire, right? Uh, There's well-established facts that they were trading very far east. Uh, they found uh, within the past few years, they actually found some like Orient, right? Oriental China. Yeah, <laughs> China. Uh, China. They actually so they actually found some uh, skeletal remains in London mm. of someone from Asia, like Chinese area, uh, 
from they had around the bone, bone from around bone the Roman yeah actual like yeah, they, bone they, they've established they they came from East Asia uh and uh they found it in London of of China, basically Chinese traders or or someone of that like so you, you when they say from the east, that goes all saying, the way uh-huh. east. Wow. And, so, and so just to clarify, are you saying that the wise men could have been Chinese wise men? Yeah. Wow. Why not? I uh, need a new because, nativity set. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. when you go, so when, you, when you're in China, they, there's some very cool things. Like, like tea? Some of, yeah, herbs, tea, um, but like spices. But spices, I'm talking herbs, about some spices. of the samurai swords. When you go that far That's back. Japan. When you go that far East. back in the Chinese in Chinese history with the dynasties and stuff, some of the things like uh, so the the god that they they worship the the god of the heavenly realms is basically, for lack of a better English word for it, the god of the heavens. When, when you go to the temple of heaven in Beijing, the way they worshipped him is pretty interesting. Uh, well, what do let's, you mean? let's get to okay, a yeah, biblical. We'll, we'll get to that later, but mm. just well, let's get back more. to like so. So the question begs because I mean, Justin throws out a theory. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, the Bible doesn't tell us specifically who the wise men are, where they came from, how they got the knowledge that they did. Other than the fact that they did have a particular knowledge of a Jewish king, and they that and his arrival was connected to the stars to some degree. Like again, there's a lot of. There's a lot of question marks, and the Bible doesn't give us hard answers. So the goal of this episode isn't to give you like a definitive theory. However, the question then begs, it, does the Bible give us any, any, any leads that we could maybe extrapolate out plausible theories? And I think it does. I really do. I, I, I really believe it does. I think it provides us, you know, again, not to discount what, what Justin said about you know, the Romans and Far East, etc. cetera. Um, but you, you go back to the Babylonian exile, and this is where you, you mentioned already the book of Daniel. Right. Um, and I think that there is an interesting connection, and, and I'll share with you um, a bit of a theory, and then we can talk about it a little bit more, um, you know, as it plays out. <clears throat> so Daniel was one of the, the, the smart, brightest men of Israel, young men of Israel, uh, during the, the Babylonian captivity. So King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian Empire, they come, they sack Jerusalem, and they take back to Babylon um, the choice men, the smart men, the young men, to serve the court in the courts of the king, which was something that the Babylonians did uh, when they conquered people. Um, a very di- Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Babylonian kings, wanted a very diverse court uh, representing their, the realm and, and would provide insight into various ethnic issues, cultural issues, whatnot, of the, the people that they were governing. So Daniel ends up being one of these uh, captives uh, to serve in the courts of the king. Uh, the three other notables, by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, kind of Daniel's three amigos. And all this gets presented. Chapter 1 of the book of Daniel gives us kind of the backstory of all of this. Their, their, their introduction to Babylonian society, culture, again, taken captive, from Jerusalem, the culture shock, and then they had to take a stand. You know, they, the Babylonians wanted them to dress Babylonian, speak Chaldean, uh, eat the food, dress the part. They, they immersed them. Again, the idea Babylonian, the Babylonian approach was if we make you Babylonian and you like it and your life is better for it, then you won't be so upset about not being what you were. And so you had D- Daniel and his buddies that were like, no, 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 no. 
Um, there are certain lines that we're not going to cross. We'll dress the part. We'll speak the language. We'll do this. We'll do that. But it was the dietary restrictions and their connection to the Old Testament and the law and, and their holiness before God. And so there's the in chapter one, there's the whole story of, of just the way that that kind of unfolded. And it was a trial and error. They were able to eat their food. They proved to be smart, to be bright. They ended up catching the eye of the king as a result. Daniel chapter two gives us this crazy trippy dream that Nebuchadnezzar has. Um, he's so disturbed by this dream that he needs it interpreted. The only way he can guarantee the dream is interpreted is to not tell anyone the dream. So not only were, you know, you've required to give the interpretation of the dream, but you had to give the dream itself in order so Nebuchadnezzar could know you had the actual interpretation. Kind of a lofty thing. And if you couldn't do it, you're going to be executed. So he just started executing a lot of the sages of Babylon because they're like, hey, this is nuts. How in the world... We can't give you the interpretation if you don't give us the dream. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, I don't know if the interpretation's real if I give you the dream. So this mm. is the way it's going to roll. And so it gets to Daniel and his buddies, and they're going to get all caught up into this. And Daniel's like, hey, 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 can we have a moment? <laughs> can, we, can we take a second? I'll do this. But get, just give me the night. Him and his buddies pray. And the Lord gives Daniel the dream and the interpretation. So it goes before Nebuchadnezzar. He's like, yo, Neb. This is what you dreamed. He lays it out. And this is what it means. And he lays it out. And Nebuchadnezzar's blown away, right? Nailed it. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, these, these guys, these young men, they have a connection with the divine, with God. And we're told, and, and, this, is, and this is kind of what I think is important. In Daniel chapter 2, at the end of the second chapter, verse 46, I'm going to read a few verses. But we're told, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, Again, what a weird scene. And he commanded that they should present an offering, an incense to him. And the king said to Daniel, Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. Then, and this is what's important, the king promoted Daniel, gave him many great gifts, made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, not, not the empire, but over the city of Babylon and made him chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Also, Daniel petitioned the king, set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Now, what's, what's interesting, and, and, and then Daniel's got a crazy story, cool story. Daniel was given prophetically, so the first six chapters narrative, but the, the last six chapters, seven chapters, it's all prophecy. Daniel um, was a messianic prophet. Daniel was given insight into a lot of end times prophecy, but also just Jesus prophecy, Jesus-centered prophecy, messianic prophecy. Um, Daniel, most notably, uh, was able to predict, um, prophesy, uh, the exact day that Jesus would present himself to Israel. Um, Daniel's 70 weeks prophecy um, you know, 70 weeks are determined, you know, 490 years. Um, at 483 years um, from the decree to rebuild the temple, Messiah will present himself. You can study the prophecy. Um, amazing. King Xerxes made the decree. You can track it out exactly according to the Babylonian calendar. You land at April 632 AD, the traditional time where Jesus walked in 
uh, presented himself to Israel as the king. They're waving palm branches. Hosanna, Hosanna, the king. If you remember the exchange, the Pharisees are like, hey, rebuke your disciples. And, and what is, no, the rocks will cry out. He's like, this is your day. He even mentions Daniel. This was the day that Daniel was talking about, and you've missed it. What day? Well, Daniel predicted it. Daniel had incredible insight into, into Jesus, into his ministry, to what he would come to do, etc. Now, Daniel, we're told, aside from his prophetic role, right, is given jurisdiction and administrative authority over what, what's called the Magi, or in the translation, the wise men of, of Babylon. And in and, and other passages, encompassed under the role of the, the Magi was astrology, uh, seances. There was a whole bunch of mathematics, all kinds of stuff. And Daniel's over, over it. Now, you get this reference, right? Daniel's placed over the Magi. And then you get all this Messianic prophecy. And then Matthew opens, and boom, we, we, he doesn't introduce us to the, the wise men. He just drops them into the story when their only previous reference is back to Daniel who is some 600 years beforehand. So you've got Daniel, who's, who's in charge of the Magi, that's also dealing with astrology and the movement and pattern of the stars, how that deals with time, calendars. I mean, we have the Babylonian calendar, which, which stood to the Juliana calendar. You know, they, they, were, they were mathematically, they were experts. Daniel was over it all. And he knows when the Messiah will, will, will present himself to Jerusalem as the king. And so he goes back and, and, and could it be hypothetically that he extrapolates generally speaking when the Messiah would have been born? Cause he's familiar with the prophecies of Isaiah about the virgin conceiving. Cause Isaiah was about 200 years before uh, Daniel. So he's familiar with Isaiah, the prophet. In fact, Daniel comes to realize that they're going to be allowed to return back to the land because of the prophecies of Isaiah and then being punished because of the uh, the Sabbath day of rest, etc., the Sabbath year. So Daniel's a very smart guy. He's very savvy. He's Christ-centric. And he's in charge of the wise men. And we have wise men showing up at the birth of Jesus, but just two years late. Uh, could, it have be, could it be, and I think there's a biblical argument, at least it's the best theory, that Daniel, again, extrapolating out a timeline, using the pattern of the stars was able to establish an order within the Magi, hey, when this particular star, his star, when it reaches this point in the eastern sky, when it, the western sky, because they're coming from the east, when it, when it presents at this point, the timeline fits, I need you, I need a delegation representing me to take gifts, specific gifts, and present them to this newborn child. Now, they show up two years late, which, again, I mean, Daniel's spitballing as to the birth. He doesn't know how old Jesus would be when he presents himself, but he's, he's guesstimating. And then we get the gifts. Again, that's the other part of the story that's weird. Like, what? They travel, let's say, 1,000 miles, 800 miles, to give a baby, at the time now a child, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, gold, the gift of a king. That, that makes sense. But then you get frankincense and myrrh. You know, these spices that are frankincense involved in the, the priestly 
uh, class, the, the role of the priests, you, they, you read through Leviticus. There's frankincense all over the place. One of the primary spices in the operations of the temple. So you give him gold, he's a king. You give him uh, the spice of the priest because he's a priest. And Daniel would know this even within his own prophecies of what Jesus would come to do. He'd be king, he'd be a priest, but he'd also be a prophet that would, that would be a suffering servant and lay down his life for the sins of his people, which is why he would give him myrrh, embalming fluid. Again, a weird gift to give to a kid. You know, you can't do it today, but like when, when you used to be able to go into the hospital, one of the roles of the pastor, you know, you have to go visit babies, you know, when they're born. You have to go into the hospital. Can't go into the hospital anymore. Can you imagine as a pastor being like, oh, your baby's so cute and cuddly. Here's some embalming fluid for later. Here's a little jar of formaldehyde. Here's a little jar of formaldehyde. Uh, he won't need it now. Hopefully it'll be a while, but, he, you know, I know his future. Again, we're not told in the scriptures. We're not given the answers particularly. But could you establish at least a theoretical case from scripture itself like, is it just a coincidence that wise men show up, but Daniel was in charge of the wise men? And they know about a newborn king, and Daniel spoke about a king. And they know about his ministry because of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And that would have been Daniel. Could Daniel have set this up prophetically yeah. in a very practical way of like, hey, you see this star? I'm going to be long gone, but, but there's an order of magi that would exist. In fact, it's interesting. You see that the order of wise men would continue even after Babylon fell into the Persian Empire. And then after Persia, uh, Alexander the Great um, kept Babylon intact, had a lot of really weird respect for Babylon and its connection, etc. But But even Alexander the Great, they kind of let, like Babylon just kind of existed. It wasn't very noteworthy that the, the focus of world empire shifted to the West. Uh, you know, it, it moved, um, you know, fur further West. You know, it was, Babylon was kind of on the fringe, um, even, you know, like Justin was saying, like time of the Roman Empire, but there was still trading that was happening. There was still a significant presence. There was still a population. Could, could there have been a continuation of a sect of Magi, wise men, and that, 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 that most Jews would have understood it, which is why Matthew doesn't have to explain it. Because again, Matthew, Matthew is assuming his audience of Jews, because he's presenting Jesus as the king of the Jews, He's assuming that he can drop Wiseman into the story and his audience already knows the backstory, you know? They already know, like, the context. They know where they're coming from. They're like, oh, yeah, that, those are the guys, right? Yeah, that's super cool. Never thought about that. So have you ever you never thought about no, it? No, I never thought about it. Like, that makes total sense, but just never really thought about it. And, again, it's it. just a theory. We were not told specifically. But it does provide at least a, a, a biblical theory, yeah. theorem. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's a top theory because, I mean, when you look at the uh, a map of the Roman Empire, the extent of east is Mesopotamia. It's, it's generally it's, Babylon. It's Babylon. Yeah. And you, think, and, and you kind of wonder why did they just say the east and why didn't they say Babylon? Because they would call it the east anyway. That was the normal the, vernacular. The, yeah, they were called the east um, mostly because it's kind of like here we say west coast. East Coast, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Go back. I'm going back east for to go home. No, if I say that, nobody thinks I'm going to Europe. Across, yeah, 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 Europe. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's it's they were part of the Roman Empire at that point. Uh, the disciples, Matthew included, had been raised. Whether they were Roman citizens or not, they were raised in as a part of the Roman Empire, and they didn't have to say this country in right. 
in You say the, the east, they know the you. If I say, right. you know, hey, I'm going out west, good chance I'm going to California, maybe Portland. Yeah. Like, if I say I'm going out west, if you I pretty say, know what I'm, you pretty sure know. If, if I were to say um, Yankees from the north came down, you, you would completely understand what I'm saying. Or if I said gold miners from the West, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, came over. It's like, okay, San Francisco, California, the gold rush. You know what I mean? Like, like again, no one thinks Yankees man. from the North and you think, you, you know, don't have to Quebec. throw in North. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think Canada. Or you, just, you, you have to say Yankees from the North. It's just it's Yankees. Yankees. Yeah. You know, yeah, whatever. true. Yeah. You know, yeah. from Tennessee. So I did a yeah. little digging on the words Magi, which... It comes from the Greek word magos, which we get our word magic from. Mm-hmm. And I did a little bit more digging. And magos actually comes from an old Persian word, which I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, but it's magic pitta, magic pitta or something. It's M-A-G-U-P-A-T-I. You pronounce it as good as I would. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But it says that it's a title given to a, a certain priest and a sect of ancient Persian religion. Zoroastrianism. Yes, yeah, Zoroastrianism, which but is the study of astronomy, which is study of stars. So these magi would be astronomers in our day of time, basically. So they would be studying the stars at all times. So they'd be ready for yeah. a star to come, and they would know what that was coming from, from Daniel telling them 600 years ago, because they're going to read those old trans- transcripts or whatever else they have from Daniel's time to And they use the stars for navigation purposes again, which would be interesting because where do how do they know where to get? Well they're gonna use a star and they would use stars for navigation. They'd use stars for time, for significant events. Again, we have the whole um what's the thing in the uh the stars in your month and um, astrology, astrology, astrology or the uh, Scorpio, or Zodiac. The Zodiac. Zodiac, The Zodiac. You know, I mean all of that all of that has a root back into Babylon, Persia, mm-hmm. um, you know, the East. So, you know, when, when, when Matthew says, you know, wise men came from the East, like that, that, that all has loaded language that would have been completely understood by a Jewish audience in the first century. Like they would have understood exactly who he's referring to, or at least the rem- remnant. And then it's not too far of a leap to say, well, would Daniel, who would, <laughs> was directly in charge of them, have had a role? Again, I think it answers a lot of questions, which I think is, is fascinating and how, and how, again, you know, you know, the Christmas story includes Daniel, you know? Um, I definitely think that's the best theory. But when you start looking at some of the Chinese history... I really stuff, like the Chinese it, theory. It's pretty... Some of the stuff behind the Chinese history stuff is... is Pretty interesting. Well, I, I don't I don't doubt it. I'm not sure it has a relevance that to as, yeah. I'd put have that a relevance there. to Christmas. I well, I'd put that there as the second best. The second best. We can do that. Theory. Yeah, we can do that. So, any other any other thoughts about about this particular topic? No, nah, that was great. Anything you got, Justin? No, no. It's good to it. think about. Creighton, anything? Uh, I don't have anything. I'm going to put myself on the screen you know, just in case my mom's watching. Hi, mom. Um, <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, I absolutely mom. just did that. Um, no, I don't have anything. I thought this was great. I thought this was very enjoyable. Um, and as Christmas episodes go, this is the best it can be. I dread next week. <laughs> well, let me uh, – we got, like, a, just a couple minutes left. Let me let me throw out one little rant at the end. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it's unrelated. 
but something I think I think as Christians, um, really dealing with a new a new paradigm, uh, and in a in a secular society, um, that is ever growing hostile to the things of Christ. Uh, I don't know if you saw on the news recently, Craig. I don't know if you're aware of this. Probably or not. heard about this. But um, so there was um, a Christian nonprofit group, um, an organization like a family. I, I won't I won't mention their name. Um, I'm going to actually leave names out of this. But quick Google search, you'll you'll find it. <clears throat> Christian nonprofit group had a a restaurant booked for their Christmas party, and a few hours before the Christmas party, the manager called and said, "We have to cancel you," and they're like, "Well, why?" And the answer was, uh, we have some LGBT waiters and waitresses that don't want to serve you and we're canceling you and you're not allowed. You're not allowed. We're not going to cater your event here uh, because of your bigoted beliefs. And so it's because it was a national, it's been a national news story. Um, good grief. What happened on Yelp to that restaurant? I mean, oh, I'm they sure they got, got brigaded. They got um, read the riot act. I mean, it was it mm-hmm. was it, 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 it's become a thing now. The organization they were able to rebook very quickly to another restaurant that they said was glad to take their money, um, et cetera, et cetera. Now, there you know, there's been a whole big backlash, and I would say rightfully so, about just hey, this is religious discrimination, religious discrimination. I'm going to take a bit of a different take. And I think that this is the way that we really need to change the way we, we think about these type of things. Um, I would say as Christians, it should be like, hey, that's totally you're right. You, 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 you don't believe, um, you, you believe that our positions on, on marriage and sexuality and whatnot, like you have, you, you don't want to serve us because of our genuinely held religious beliefs. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll publicize that. We'll let everybody know. And we won't come there. We won't spend our money there. And we'll let the free market figure that out. You know, we'll see how people react to your restaurant. Um, but okay. And we're not going to sue you. We're not going to fight. You You should have that right. You don't want to serve us because of our positions and our beliefs. You know what? Okay. If that's the world we live in, that's fine. I know we've tried to move beyond that as a society, but if that's where we're at, we shouldn't fight it. Instead, we should say we're okay with it. But we want equal treatment because then if you're a Christian who is refusing to create a website for a gay wedding and now your case is before the Supreme Court because they want to ruin your life and take everything away from you. Um, if, if, if you refuse to serve us, okay, that's fine. You know what? We disagree. It's fine. But you have that right. We'll go somewhere else. That will serve us. But under that predicate... We're gonna end. We're gonna end the other type of the discrimination. You, you you can't have it both ways. And I think as Christians, it, 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 we really should we should reach the point of like we're gonna get discri- and we should use. We're not gonna fight you on that. Uh, you want to say that we can't go to your schools, okay? Or you can, we can't play in your sports leagues, okay? Or you're not gonna serve us here, okay? Like we're gonna be a minority class. I mean, at but some the point, needs we're to going go both to- ways. I mean, at some point, we know we know that at some point Christians will lose the ability to operate in the public square. Like God promised this is that. That's yeah, one of that's the things prophetic. that we're promised. Now, whether the church is here on earth at the time or not, you know where where those things line up. Like we know we know in the tribulational period, 
there is no ability to operate in the free market for Christians as part of the mark mm-hmm. of the beast and, and its sign and 666 and all that. That all is connected to an economic, global, religious thing. But it's definitely coming. It's so coming. you should you see it. Heads up. Like, you, you should, know, you all your it. promises are yes and amen. Not all of them are fun, though. <laughs> and I think, and I think <sighs> like, as Christians, you know, when we see this happen, instead of, instead of getting outraged or, like, whatever, it's like, okay, well, that's sad. That's a bummer. You know, it would have been nice to come to your restaurant. And, and hey, we, we, we didn't have a problem having, having you as waiters. And, and, and I think Christians should have tipped abundantly and been loving and kind and generous and like, Hey, we, we would, we, we actually do don't, we don't mind coexisting with people we disagree with, but we live in a culture where the other side doesn't want to coexist with us. Yeah. Nick, you, uh, you guys just going to say, welcome to the devil standard. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think our knee jerk reaction of like pick at the place or like outrage or let's sue. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, you gotta realize that that's actually like if we take a different approach to it, it 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 reinforces our argument, our, our larger argument. I've always asked people like, how how do you expect an unbelieving world to act the way you believe? Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's why would why would I expect non Christians to act in a Christian manner? True. <laughs> yeah, and when because when you're expecting that and it doesn't happen. You get outraged for some reason, but it's kind of like can you imagine a fish can, out of water and expecting the fish to walk around and live forever. Could you imagine the story if the restaurant had to cancel an LGBTQ whatever organization because the Christian waiters and waitresses refused to serve them? Oh <laughs> can you imagine? It down so fast. Could, there would be the FBI would show up. Oh yeah, the FBI would be there in hours. Reversed? Yeah. I, I, I would, and I, I don't know. My guess is that there's not a single news network that has covered the story but Fox. Would be my guess. I can believe that. Yeah. So, again, I'm just saying, I think this is a good example of, of hey, the world is changing. Um, we're, not gonna, want we're, we're not changing. Jesus can change it. We're not. And I think we got to rethink the way that we interact with, with, with the world and be like, okay, okay. Well, Hey, we'll find someplace else to go. Chick-fil-A um, is always there. That's Chick-fil-A. I was about to say, if y'all want Chick-fil-A, better pipe down. Chick-fil-A. Right. <laughs> no kidding. Well, anyway, anyway, guys, once again, thank you so much for joining me, Creighton. As always, bud, thank you for uh, being uh, my right hand man here. Always a joy. With that being said, thank you so much for watching the outlaw radio show. Uh, again, if you're if you're listening on the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, check out the live stream Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. We live stream what you're listening to. If you're watching, check out the live sh- uh, the podcast. If you're watching the live stream, check out the podcast. Um, and what's great about the podcast is it's super easy to share, to pass on. Um, an episode that might hit you, you might want to share it to others. It's easy to do that with the audio instead of passing along links to YouTube, etc. With all that being said, once again, my name is Zach Adams. So glad to join me. Merry Christmas, and we'll see you guys next Wednesday at 8. God bless.